0: How you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl, Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we discuss different holistic strategies for millennials of faith who are pursuing financial freedom. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of knowing yourself prior to investing. Enjoy! So as I stated in a couple of episodes ago, investing is kind of the sexy part of personal finance. It's what everyone wants to do. And understandably, right, investing is fun once you get started. And I know that there may be some people listening who might be a little hesitant. And I get it. There is an inherent risk in any type of investment, right? You're not always guaranteed to make money a huge possibility that you may lose money, but we really got to think about the alternative, right? When we think about the average interest rate on a typical savings account, it's not enough. You know, when we look at inflation, right? Inflation goes up about 2% every year. And the average savings account And even the really good ones, you should save, right? You should have an emergency fund. Saving is important. But the average savings account, the interest rate is roughly around 0.60%. And again, savings accounts are not designed to make you filthy rich. You know, they're there as backups, essentially. But if that's all that you're relying on, it's simply not enough. Savings accounts aren't even beating the average inflation rate. And the rising cost of everything, oh my God, I literally don't want to go to the grocery store anymore, y'all. Like, y'all think I'm playing. Went in the store, tried to buy some cha-cha-cha Charmin. Man. All my cha-cha-ching was gone. Lord, why does it cost $400.52 for some simple toilet tissue paper? And meanwhile, the Federal Reserve keeps printing out all of this money. These huge bailouts are coming for the big corporations and everyday people get $1,500. And that's if you're working, you know. Sister Rona has taught us that none of our jobs are guaranteed. And I would hate for us to be completely bottomed out the ability for us to be able to provide for our families to be in the hands of someone else or some other corporation and simply out of our own control. The days of working a standard job, you know, for 20, 30, 40 years. Many of our grandparents and great-grandparents did that and they are comfortably retired. The general job market isn't designed like that anymore and we have to be willing to shift with the times. There may be some people listening who might be a little hesitant. Even if you want to go the more traditional route and retire at what is the new age? I think it's 65 and a half now. What is their new retirement age? I think that's it. They keep moving it up. I don't remember. But about 65 and a half, most of us will not be able to retire comfortably. Because even if you don't do all of the math, your money typically is not enough to sustain your lifestyle now for the majority of us. Some of us God bless it. Y'all got jobs paying 200, 150K, 200,000K a year. And for those of us that may not have the highest salary paying jobs, if the money that you are making now is not sustaining your lifestyle or you got your head just above the water, why would it then be enough 20, 30 years from now? When you retire. And as many of us are rapidly becoming aware, uh, many of us millennials are investing into a system that may not be able to give back to us. Yes, Social Security is evaporating slowly but surely. Um, I will possibly do a more in depth episode where I talk about the state of Social Security. But the chances of social security, again, it's not giving you the full amount of money that you were making when you were, you know, young and thriving. Why is a portion of that going to be enough to sustain you when you get older? You know, I'm just asking some questions, just asking some hypotheticals. You know, it's super cliche, but it's true. You know, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. And so with investing in general, the earlier you do it, the better, the more time your money has to accrue interest and compound. And it's also very important to diversify, right? When we talk about the traditional job market, it's literally putting all of your eggs into one basket. The ability to provide for your family is 100% reliant on your employer, It is so critical to have your money growing for you in different pots, right? And again, emphasis on multiple, you know, preferably if you can get some passive forms of income, that is definitely preferred. I am not here to down nine to five jobs. I currently work a nine to five job. I actually like my nine to five job. I think I do some meaningful work. I hope you find meaning in your work. But again, this is about making sure that you and your family are set straight for life. That is it. Because at the end of the day, you get older, you retire, you know, something happens and you can't work. Your employers, it's not their responsibility to take care of you and your family. It's on you. You know, growing up, um, as I've mentioned, grew up in a Ghanaian household here in America. And my dad used to always say, at the end of the day, it's you. I'm like, Lord, why does this man keep saying that? Literally after every event, oh, you get a report card. I mean, literally every life event, right? Any talking to, you know, when your parents pull you into your room and they're having those talks with you. My dad would be like, at the end of the day, It's you. And I didn't really understand it until maybe about two years ago, it really kind of sank in and it is on you. It's on us, right? At the end of the day, it's just us. You know, people may provide some support. The government may provide some support. And if you're in a position in your life right now where you do need that government support, use the support while you need it. You pay taxes, so you should be allowed to use that guilt-free. Amen and amen. But the purpose is to not stay there, right? And to not be reliant on these other sources, right? You know, you got your main source within you, which is the God within you. And then you have the other sources that you're planting on a daily basis right those financial seeds that you are planting that will reap some harvest you know the harvest is plentiful you know the laborers are few let's get to planting these seeds and watching them grow over time in our lifetimes and hand them to our kids and really build some generational wealth you know it's not just about us it's not just about acquiring money just to acquire money and, you know, be able to swim in it and do all that extra stuff, even though it's really unsanitary. Please don't cash out money and then like swim in it. That's really unsanitary, but you get the point. (laughs) So if you're anything like me, once you find out information, you get to researching. However, before you begin your research, hence the title of this episode, I think it is so important and you will save yourself a lot of headache, a lot of heartache if you know yourself prior to investing, specifically your risk tolerance. Now, what is risk tolerance? It's pretty self-explanatory, but risk tolerance is the amount of market risk an investor can withstand. It is the degree of veritability, meaning how much an investment goes up and how much it goes down, right? The degree of veritability in investment returns that an investor is willing to withstand in their financial planning. Key word in their financial planning. Once again, as I believe wholeheartedly, your financial planning has got to be customized for you and your life and for your specific Situation and your specific goals. And part of that process of customization and creating your own personal financial planning, if you are shooting for financial freedom, your own financial freedom blueprint is understanding your risk tolerance and the different investment types for your risk tolerance. And there's been uh, specifically one really big story. Um, this really breaks my heart. There was a young man. He was essentially using debt to invest in the stock market. He was around 20 years old, and I think he was using Robinhood. And Robinhood has since changed a couple of things around after this incident happened. He went negative- I want to say close to $700,000, $800,000 because he was using debt to buy stock. You can do that. And he saw that negative balance um, and he ended up taking his own life. So that's why I knew that I wanted to have this episode be one of the first sort of foundational episodes because you have to know yourself prior to investing. I mean, 20 years old and his life is gone and granted he didn't understand that he didn't technically have to pay all that money back all at once that might have caused him to become a little you know a little unrestful and anxious and then ultimately take his life but even in that it is so important to understand your risk tolerance because it's usually a spectrum right Many of us, you know, if we don't like Gary Vee, we definitely know of the man, right? And we can definitely um, respect his hustle, right? And that's a man with a lot of assets, a whole lot of assets and a huge brand, multiple brands. You know, he's got his VaynerMedia and, you know, he's got a ton of stuff going on. And many people want to emulate that. But do you have his risk tolerance, right? In order to get those types of gains in life, you got to have some pretty big, you have to have a pretty big risk tolerance for that type of work. And with entrepreneurship becoming a little more mainstream, there is also this sort of school of thought that in order to be successful, everyone has to have high risk tolerance. And that's not true. There are steady investments that you can do over the course of your lifetime and live a comfortable life. So again, there are people who are on the very, very low end and there are people on the super, super high end that will, you know, that will literally sell all of their belongings and, you know, live in a, you know, 100 square foot apartment with 10 roommates just to make some sort of dream, whether it's their own business or they are investing in someone else's business to make that dream happen, but not everybody needs to do that. See, hence the customization. So, you see where I'm going with this, right? I this is part of everyone winning, it can happen. Not everyone wants the same things, and that's beautiful, right? You know, I believe in assessing your true values in life, and if they're beneficial, assessing your gifts and your passions, assessing your risk tolerance, which is what today's episode focuses on, assessing your goals with deadlines, and assessing the required sacrifices that you're willing to make to get to your goals. But again, there does need to be some investing involved. You don't have to do the same investing that everyone else is doing or what's popular, but there has to be some type of investing involved. Your money has to make money for you, unless your cost of living are just very, 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 very low. So then how do you go about assessing your risk tolerance? How do you know if you're high risk or low risk? It's pretty intuitive. I mean, you look at your own life and you think about your relationship to money? Um, Do you tend to hoard and save and save and save? And if, you know, a dollar's missing, you freak out? Or are you fairly pretty liberal with your money? Um, For those of you that have started investing, you know, you see the market go down. Does your heart sink? Do you freak out? Or do you just realize that that's just part of the game? And then you assess your overall gains and realize that overall, you're making money, right? Because that is really kind of the, not even really the trick, but it's the fundamentals of the market. On average, the market will return anywhere between nine and 11% if you just invest consistently and you invest in different types of investments, You know, AKA putting your eggs in more than one basket. Now, my own personal risk tolerance, um, I think some of you all can guess if you've heard the first couple of episodes, I am definitely on the higher end of the spectrum. Um, yeah, I'm, I typically am on the higher end. I typically do not freak out when you know the market goes up, the market goes down, um, because I tend to invest in broad indices and... Diversify in ETFs and the like. Um, my strategy currently is just buy and hold. I'm not currently doing any day trading, uh, although I do have a keen interest. I've seen a couple of people and I've been thinking about it. But <laughs> currently, I ain't doing all that fancy, fancy. I buy and I hold. I buy and I hold. And I think part of the reason why. I remain relatively comfortable in buying and holding is because I only use disposable income. Remember when your t- parents used to tell you, don't lend out any money to anyone that you are afraid to lose. You know, if you lend, you know, cousin Dayday $50. Will you be okay with not ever receiving those fifty dollars back? And that's sort of the same mentality that I take into investing. Is I don't I listen, I am not interested in losing my shirt. Absolutely not. That's not that's not the life I want to live. That's not the life I I am aiming for. So I typically will only use money. That I know is disposable. If everything all tanks today, and I lose that money, I'll I might be a little sad, but it won't be the complete end of the world for me. Right? Don't be out here in disgrace investing with your rent money. No, ma'am. No, sir. Right? Let's use some discernment, okay? But yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. And my strategy is pretty boring, though I gotta admit. But it works for me. And I also think that I have a bit of confidence because the numbers don't lie. And over the past century, the stock market has made a return of an average of 10%. Now point me to a savings account, a certificate of deposit that is giving you 10%. The power of diversification. Hello, somebody. So some other general rules that I go by also when investing is that I do not invest in a company, an ETF, an index, whatever, that I do not understand. So sources like Yahoo Finance, and there's a bunch of different blogging sites. And there's also a lot of really good newsletters Um, Shout out to um, Jaspreet with Minority Mindset. Uh, Their newsletter gives a lot of really good um, updates on the market. And it's also helpful if you just go straight to the source. Go into your brokerage account and start looking at the data. Start learning how to read balance sheets. Start learning what to look for in quality companies, quality uh, indices, and quality commodities and the like. Uh, remember that the stock market is not a gambling uh, situation. No, it is not. There is strategy involved, and uh, it would behoove you. <laughs> look at me, and my five dollar words. It would behoove you to do that research and to learn how to find quality companies. And it's not always going to be a hit. Sometimes you're going to get it wrong. And that's why investing in indices can be a lot more helpful than individual stocks, because this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is a long term game. Even those that are doing day trading are doing it in a way that is for the long call, right? They don't have a big, you know, 10K day and then never invest again. No, it's constantly a cycle of reinvesting so that your money can continue to make money for you. Now I'm going to briefly talk about some options for higher risk tolerance people and lower risk tolerance people. So for my high risk tolerance people, my people's woo-woo. Yeah. many of the options that I'll talk about. And I'm certainly not going to name every single stock, every single type of commodity, every single type of investment that you can get involved in. I'm only going to name a couple for you. Now, some options you've heard of, right? Real estate investing is super duper hot right now. And you need a pretty high risk tolerance to do real estate investing. Uh, Another high risk tolerance investing opportunity is starting your own business yes betting on yourself whoo that takes a lot of risk right you can do traditional stocks you know foreign stocks and the most volatile swing and options trading and day trading um there can be some very interesting volatility in there. I've heard of people literally gaining hundreds of thousands, losing hundreds of thousands. So again, very high risk tolerance. Uh, you can also in the market. You can also get involved in REITs, which are real estate investment trust. Um, cryptocurrency. I can't tell you a dongon thing about it. I'm following my own rule. I don't understand it. So I ain't doing it, you heard, but it's out there, right? Then there are people who are cryptocurrency gurus, and I'm sure they can give you some type of guidance in the land of cryptocurrency. And especially with the coin shortage, you know, cryptocurrency does not seem nearly as far-fetched as I admittedly uh, initially thought it was. Um, and also another option for higher risk people would be, uh, investing in private startups. Um, there are quite a few of these crowdfunding websites that are popping up, um, like Republic and a couple of other websites that I can't think about right off the top of my head. And the sort of cool thing about these websites is that you do not have to be an accredited investor. And an accredited investor is someone who either has a net worth of a million dollars that doesn't include your primary residence, or you have an income of uh, $200,000 a year for a single person for the last two years, or $300,000 if you're married. So sites like that can really help level the playing field. Um, if you discover the next Amazon, the next Google, you know, send your girl a couple of dollars, you feel me? Um, just make sure that you do your research on these different sites and on the different uh, startup businesses that are generated on those sites. Now, moving on to my people on the lower risk tolerance spectrum, you know, I still got love for you, Okay. Remember, you can still win and design the life you want to have with consistent investing. So some options for some lower risk tolerance individuals, the most common is through our employers, right? Our 401ks or 403bs, that is essentially a stock portfolio. And especially if your company is matching, get that free money, honey. Okay. Um, some other options would be small side businesses businesses where you could put them on a marketplace like an Amazon or like an Etsy, and you don't have to do as much work regarding creating systems, thanks to the internet. A lot of those systems are already in place. So essentially, you can just focus on creating the product and putting it out there on a website like an Etsy, like a Shopify, things like that, that automate a lot of the um, sort of bookkeeping and a lot of the uh, systems that can sometimes make creating your own business or selling your own products a little difficult. Now, some people may argue that that is not necessarily investing, but it's more so a component of increasing your income. But I guess that depends on how you leverage your side hustle. You know, do you truly make a source of income for yourself out of your side hustle? And that's up to you. If it just kind of remains a side hustle that doesn't become, you know, like a really full-fledged business, then that's cool too. You have another stream of income. Congratulations. But it may not necessarily be considered investing from a more traditional standpoint. Either way, it's putting more money in your pockets, and we salute that. Amen and amen. Okay. Now, if you want to get your, your, your beak wet, if you will, into the stock market, the best way for in my opinion, low-risk tolerance people to get involved in the stock market is through diversification. The easiest way to diversify is either through buying exchange-traded funds known as ETFs, mutual funds, both mutual funds, you gotta watch out for those fees because it is actively managed, and index funds, which are kind of everyone's jam right now. And essentially, these funds will invest in hundreds of different companies for you. So for instance, I think Google right now, I don't know, one stock of Google is like, what, like 1,000, some, some, some. I don't know, it's a lot of money. And most people don't want to buy one single stock. The cool thing about these funds is that you can buy a little piece of Google, a little piece of McDonald's, a little piece of Amazon, a little piece of this, a little piece of that and literally have diversification and have your money into a hundred different companies all at once. So this is a really good option for high risk tolerance people as well. But for low risk tolerance people, if, you know, Amazon goes kaput tomorrow and it's in an index fund that you have, there's 99 other companies that you can rely on. So you're not going to completely lose all your money because one company goes kaput. So this can be a really good option for low risk tolerance people as well. Now, another good option for low risk tolerance people, since we're talking about the stock market, are robo advisors, like companies like Acorns that will literally invest your spare change for you. So your investing is done on autopilot. This is a good option for people just getting started and they're a little weary of the market. Apps like Acorns literally sets up your investing for you. You can choose if you want to be more aggressive or if you want to be more conservative with your investing and it does pretty much all the work for you. Now there is a fee. Some people think the fee isn't worth it, but again, that is up to you. Now, this can be a good option for both people. Some people do not like this particular investment, and I get it, um, but some people, they want to feel their investment, right? And some people like doing commodities, right? Investing in silver, investing in gold, uh, investing in minerals, things like that. Tangible, tangible, natural elements, Right? So, there's that option as well. So, for my lower risk tolerance people, there is hope, okay? If you don't like the volatility of certain investments and of the markets, there are ways to mitigate that. And I've only named a few, so continue to do your research on the various ways to invest. So, I hope this got your juices flowing. You know, for those, Of us who are ready to throw the ret money into the market, be wise, you know, use some discernment, you know, simmer down, you know, oh, impulsive one, you know, kindred spirits, I get it, but your enthusiasm is great, but do your research. And a random quick, you know, pro tip, um, I'm currently a single gal, you know, but um, if you are in a relationship, please don't go about making all these crazy financial changes without consulting your spouse. Please, 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 and thank you. Okay. And for those of us who are a little more lower risk tolerance, and you may still be on the fence, um, you know, a good man or woman leaves inheritance for their children. And how can we leave an inheritance when we're forever on the struggle bus with our finances. How can we expect different results when we are constantly doing the same thing? So I challenge you to look into these other options, continue to do your research, because while I love investing and I love talking about investing, I don't wanna see nobody lose their shirt out here in these streets. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to email me at demcoins, the number one, at gmail.com. Also feel free to reach out to me on Instagram by the same name. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.